Have you ever wondered what it's like to be a solo female traveler? My name is Emesha Kovac, and together with my colleague Kristina Hunyakova, we are going to explore the challenges and opportunities of traveling solo. For this episode, our guest is going to be Denise Brun. She spent several years traveling alone and so far visited 72 countries. Today, she kindly agreed to share some of her adventures and give advice to the future solo travelers out there. Can you tell us a little bit about you and about your lifestyle that you had as a solo female traveler? Um, yeah, so I've traveled uh, around all over the world, um, mostly in in some parts of the world and, and less in other parts. But I've visited all seven continents and seventy uh, two countries by now. Um, and it started when I was seventeen years old, and I, uh, I I did a semester in Australia, and I kind of got bitten by the travel bug then. And since then, uh, I found out like how easy it was to travel, and that it wasn't as dangerous as maybe some of my family wanted me to believe. So um, I did my first solo trip when I was 21. I was meant to go with a friend, but uh, (laughs) the day that we were meant to go and pay for our trip, she stood me up. So uh, (laughs) I I was super disappointed. And uh, actually, I didn't go on this particular trip. But it got me thinking and I was in a, in, a, in contact with the travel agent and he was like, you should just go by yourself. And mm-hmm. I, I thought, I don't know about that. It, it, seems, um, it seems a bit challenging, right? Like there's a big mental barrier. But uh, he convinced me and the year after I had saved up some more money and, uh, and, I, and I did it. I did uh, six months uh, around the world trip by myself. And just saw the ease of how you could travel, right? Uh, It was so easy. You meet people so easily that, um, yeah, it became a lifestyle after that and and my preferred way of traveling, basically. That's amazing. (laughs) And if you think of your travels, for example, nowadays, um, do you have some certain way of um, planning them or what do you usually do when you come to deciding where to go and how to go? Yeah, so there are there are some places that uh, I wouldn't go as a solo female traveler. Uh, and I hate to say that because in a lot of places, um, it's not necessarily the places that you think you shouldn't go that you shouldn't go. Um, so I've traveled to some places with my friends where I have haven't felt safe even if uh, even if I had a good friend with me um, and then I've ended up in places where I thought oh I shouldn't I should stick to to kind of my rules um, in in a place like this and it's it's been like for shame because the local community has actually taken really good care of me um, but yeah when I do plan I try to follow some some rules if it's in a place that I feel unsafe or feel like I should I should do a little bit more planning. So, um, for example, 
I, I try to plan it so that I always arrive before sunset, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always plan that I have like the first night accommodation in place so that normally when I, when I travel, I, I don't like to plan too much. <laughs> so uh, I like to just arrive in a place and feel like, okay, where's the cool place to stay? And where's the area where I can meet cool people or uh, where, where can I stay for cheap or whatever it might be. But sometimes, like I said, I do do a little bit more planning. <clears throat> so one thing is having the first night booked and uh, and trying to arrive before sunset, like I said. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those are the two things I do for planning. Mm-hmm. And just a little bit in connection with this, has it ever happened to you that you found yourself in a situation where you faced danger or some sort of negative feelings from traveling solo? Um, yeah, but like I said, it, it hasn't necessarily been in the places that I uh, was expecting it. So I've been traveling uh, through Latin America a lot by myself. And has, have the first time I was, uh, I was very scared, to be honest. I was trying to prepare myself mentally if something bad would happen. Uh, and nothing ever did. I mean, I've I've tried uh, traveling through from from Guatemala through uh, Honduras, and it's one of those places where people is uh, are telling you, you should be very careful. You shouldn't travel by yourself. Uh, you shouldn't be outside after dark by yourself. All of these things. Um, and I was traveling from one destination in uh, Guatemala and to another one in Honduras. And I planned it so that I was just taking a direct bus. But uh, it turns out that this bus didn't run anymore. So (laughs) the first bus dropped me off at a gas station (laughs) just across the border. And I was by myself and he was like, someone else will pick you up. (laughs) Just wait here now and someone else will pick you up. And I was like, this is not what I paid for. Uh, (laughs) But uh, (laughs) I'm I'm not a big complainer. So I got off his his minibus and I waited and sure enough someone in a pickup came and picked me up and he was like I'll drive you to the next place and I, I looked at my watch and I was like fuck I'm not gonna arrive before the sun has set um so he took me I mean I ended up in different buses I ended up in San Jose uh in the bus terminal uh after dark already and uh everyone had been telling me like this the worst thing you can do but it turned out that everyone was just kind of like looking out for me you could tell that people um try to like was yeah looking out for me looking making sure that I felt safe basically and uh, no one was being dodgy or uncomfortable or anything like that so um yeah I think I think that's a good example of one of the places where your family might tell you oh, you cannot do that but then <laughs> Traveled through, um, I've lived in Borneo for a little bit. I've studied in Borneo and I did a trip to Brunei. And this is one of the places where I didn't feel safe actually. So it's, and it's a, it's a, it's a nice city. It's a nice country, but it just, it just gave me that uncomfortable feeling because people look at you like you don't belong, you know, 
Yeah, like, uh, and I was, I was, like I said, I was traveling with a friend and, but we were both females, but it felt like we, we should be with a man, basically. Someone should be taking care of us or um, we should not be that independent. I don't know. I, mean, I can't read people's mind, but that's that's how what it felt like. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, if we jump to another thing, what is your best memory? If you could tell us. Um. Uh, if I have to give you my best memory, it's probably meeting the love of my life. Uh, oh. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you're not really solo anymore after after that but uh, I'd been traveling for a couple of years as a digital nomad solo and um, not really been open to meeting anyone serious but uh, I stumbled upon this really great guy that is uh, that's now my husband so this was in Australia and uh, he's from France and I'm from Denmark. And I didn't, I didn't think that it would evolve to something serious, but I mean, the first date was, ended up being 10 hours long or something like that. <laughs> and then the second date was a road trip. And the third date was uh, another road trip. And, you know, like one thing takes over the next one and, all of a sudden, yeah, we were we were meeting up in Europe and things were getting serious. That's definitely a good memory. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. uh, one question. Uh, you said you were a digital nomad. Is this how you support yourself during your solo travels? Um, for most of it. So for the first, it's a mix, I would say. So sometimes... I'll have like a, a trip that is planned out a little bit more like it's a fixed um, fixed end date. Um, and then I'll usually have the money saved up for it ahead of time. Mm -hmm. But if it's for longer trips like this one, I didn't, it didn't have an end date. I just quit my job and thought, fuck this. <laughs> I, need, <laughs> I need to see more of the world. Um, so yeah, then, then I did support myself through through freelancing, basically. And how should we imagine this? Um, how long period do you usually go to? Or when you when you plan a short travel and when you plan a longer one, for example? So the last one ended up being almost five years. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> well, because I met my, then met my husband and we lived in France for, uh, a winter season he likes to ski and um, I lived in Australia for a while I did my uh, you know the working holiday visa so I mean where's the line between settling down temporarily and uh, and still traveling right it's, mm -hmm. it's a difficult definition but I was out of Denmark for for five years if you don't count like a couple of weeks visits Mm -hmm. That's very impressive and long. <laughs> I think one last question during this topic. How do you maintain a positive mental health during your travels? Um, I think uh, one thing that is super important both for your safety and for your own mental health is really listening to your intuition. 
and uh, and following your intuition. So one thing is is uh, seeing the red flags, and another thing is acting on them, right? So, uh, for example, if if you're traveling with a bunch of people and you think they're all cool and you don't want to disappoint them, but you yourself maybe have other needs, uh, I think you should listen to that to your own needs. Mm-hmm. So even if you've promised to to travel to an island for the weekend and you actually you don't you you find out you actually don't really want to you don't feel like it, you should listen to that and say. Hey guys, I, I think I think I'll join you next time. Or um, if you feel like you're in a dangerous situation, then get yourself out of it as soon as possible. But actually, yeah, if you could tell us about some of the challenges, not necessarily negative challenges, but overall, and how did you overcome them? Um, yeah, I think like uh, setting up some rules for yourself. And then uh, following through on them. So, like I said, sometimes it can be difficult to follow through if if it turns out your bus doesn't go all the way. You have to <laughs> go with the flow, right? Um, but having some general rules set up for yourself, uh, I think, is uh, is is a good way to to overcome challenges before they even arise, right? Mm-hmm. So taking good care of yourself and not going out at night by yourself. Uh, I mean, you can still meet people and, and go out and have fun. That's not, that's not the problem, but just be very, um, like use your common sense. Yeah. Yeah. And, and don't get super drunk or don't, don't do drugs in other countries. Uh, yes. <laughs> like, uh, take, take really good care of yourself, even if it, Like some people might say it's part of the experience, but I just think traveling in itself is such a high that you don't you necessarily need need that extra. Yeah. Um, another challenge can be loneliness for some people. Uh, and I think especially if you're an introvert, you might be a bit... Uh, apprehensive about traveling by yourself because how do you meet people but I think uh, there's a, a lot of a lot of ways to get over this and for me I think I've been lonely one day of traveling because uh, my travel agent thought it was a good idea for that first trip that I should be staying in a hotel instead of a hostel and I remember uh overcoming that feeling of having to eat by myself in a restaurant was was like a mental barrier basically I thought people are gonna look at me and think I'm weird and but it's um it's one of those things you have to learn when you grow up right anyway and it's actually I, I mean I enjoy going out eating by myself now uh there's another there's another element of mindfulness almost of how you um, enjoy your food and take in your surroundings when you're alone. Uh, and then if you don't want to be lonely, if you want to meet people, uh, don't hide behind your phone, basically. <laughs> It's a good advice. Uh, so this is, this is where we tend to kind of um, escape a little bit when we're alone. 
we take out our phone and we're like, look, I'm not alone. I can talk to all of my friends. But uh, it also means that you're turning away other people, basically. And do you do you also engage with the local people when you go and visit places? Yes, definitely uh, a favorite of mine. So it can be it can be difficult um, as a solo female, uh, as depending on where you go, um, because I think if you try to engage with the, the opposite sex, a lot of people will think that you're looking for a romantic connection. And if you're not, then, I mean, if you are, great. But if you're not, <laughs> you know, it's it can send a mixed signal. Um, but I mean, just try to be friendly with people. And in a lot of places, they, they wanna learn about you and where you come from as well. And I think that international exchange is super important. So it can be, I mean, a good place to start is to <clears throat> find a, like a person at your hostel, like the person that's the receptionist or the cleaner, cleaner or, you know, spark up a conversation with them. And in a lot of places, <laughs> I mean, if you make that first move, uh, three days later, you're <laughs> invited to a wedding and... Uh, <laughs> Um, I mean, I've made so many really cool local friends that, uh, you know, then they, it, it's not the same culture as in Denmark, for example. We're a little bit more, yeah, we can be friends, but <laughs> I'm like, uh, I have to know you for at least five years before I ever introduce <laughs> you to my family, right? <laughs> you can do <laughs> Yeah, we're, I mean, uh, we don't have a very open culture in Denmark compared to a lot of these other places where it's like, oh, I've known you for three hours. You should come meet, meet my brother and my mother. And um, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I love that about traveling. I think we could learn so much about that approach to life and to people. Um, yeah. And and some of the best experiences have been exactly that, like me being invited to a local asado in Argentina. And even if my Spanish is really shitty, then all of a sudden you have like these, these friends that you can only communicate with by using body language, basically. And I think that's, yeah, that teaches you a lot about life and about um, mind mindset. Mm -hmm. This can also be a, another challenge, right? The language barrier. Yes, yes, definitely. Yeah. Uh, so it's one of the things that I tried to prepare before I went to Latin America was to do Spanish on Duolingo. <laughs> But I mean, uh, I mean, I've been, I've known my now husband for five and a half years and he's from France and I've been actively trying to learn French And it's still difficult. I still don't speak French and I still have to rely on body language. Uh, so, so learning Spanish on Duolingo for uh, three months before I, I, I went there was maybe a bit optimistic. But I mean, at least you show that you do, that you make an effort. And, yeah. uh, and for example, uh, just knowing how to say thank you or please or 
um, shows that you're engaging in people's local culture and that you're showing an interest and that you're not expecting that they can speak English or Danish or whatever your native language is. And I think that, I mean, I think that shows a lot of respect. Yeah, definitely. Oh, and I also wanted to mention earlier for how to prepare, I would also say, learn a little bit about the local culture and uh, how to dress, for example, so that you're showing respect in that sense as well. Um, so I've traveled a lot through uh, Southeast Asia, for example, and in some places for them, it's just normal that you cover your shoulders, you cover your knees, especially going, going into holy places. And I've seen so many tourists like almost being offended when asked to cover their shoulders because they're like, but it's warm. <laughs> yes, you've chosen to, <laughs> to travel to a tropical country. Um, and it's, it's not up to them to live up to your cultural standards. You are the visitor, you're the guest, you should respect their local cultures. And I think by showing that respect, um, like with the language, you're also opening up yourself um, to, to making these connections that then turns it into friendships. Definitely. If we could move on to some advices for future female travelers, what is the one thing you know now but wish you knew before you started? Oh, that it's not as scary as it seems. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we always want to focus on the dangers and the uh, and the backsides. And I think it's important to be prepared, of course, but uh, also important to know that it's it's definitely doable and it's definitely um, people, like most people just want the best for everyone. And there's, there, there are bad people everywhere. You know, you can have bad experiences in Copenhagen as much as you can in Buenos Aires, right? So. I think the best advice is do it. <laughs> <laughs> if I if I should give one more advice is having um, like backups, having backups of your phone, yeah. having backup. I mean, and it's not even because it can get stolen. That can happen as well. But I've also had mine drown in a, a river in Nicaragua. And I was very happy to have a backup because you use your phone for navigation, for... Google Translate for uh, flight details, right? It's um, it's so important to have your phone and all the apps that comes with it. And then always having a backup of your essential documents, such as your passport. I had a friend in, um, in Thailand who jumped into the pool and forgot he had his passport in his back pocket. So, you know, like the entry visa and everything, like the stamps were just gone. And yeah, it's just a lot of hassle. So have a have a backup for yeah to make your life easier. Yeah. yeah. Say what is the best age to start solo traveling? If there is one. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as possible. <laughs> no, I, I think you, you need um, maybe you need to to feel mature enough to and be comfortable in your own skin. So. That could be when you're 17, but it could be when you're 25 as well. Um, so if you're if if you're not comfortable 
going by yourself to a cafe and buying a cup of coffee and sitting down by yourself, maybe maybe you're not ready yet. Um, but I don't think we could put an age stamp on when when you're ready to do that. Mm-hmm. Or maybe to travel solo to become ready because that kind of forces you to, into those situations. <laughs> And do you think there is a destination recommendation for somebody who is just about to start solo traveling or where should they look for? I think, like I said before, Southeast Asia is so easy uh, to get started because um, these people have been dealing with tourists for a long time. And so their, their English is very good. Their Body language is adapted to, <laughs> to understanding when, when we're trying to communicate without knowing the language. And there's a lot of um, places to meet other travelers, basically. Uh, but with that said, I mean, some of the best experiences I've had has probably been in, in places that are a bit more off the beaten track, right? So going to um, Central Asia, for example, definitely a bigger challenge so I wouldn't recommend it as a first trip but um, awesome destination and a lot more authentic because because they're not used to tourists in the same way you might get a little bit more special treatment in a good way. (laughs) Have you noticed um, some kind of inequality when traveling solo between female and male travelers? Yeah, so there are things that um, that I probably wouldn't do that my husband have done has done. Uh, so hitchhiking, for example, is one of those things where boys are like, yeah, then you know I just hitchhike from one place to the next. And as a solo female, I wouldn't just do that. I would, I mean, I've hitchhiked alone as well. So I, again, it's down to that intuition, but I think it's um, it's one of those things where I would be a little bit more aware because that is that is just inviting some of those very few bad people that are out there, but inviting them in, right? And you are a little bit more vulnerable when you're uh, when you're a female. I mean, I'm a I'm a tall, strong Scandinavian lady, <laughs> so I, in a lot of places I still feel um, safe and like I'm stronger than the average uh, local dude even, but um, there is still like the home field advantage of, of uh, bad people and I mean there are bad females as well out there, right, but yeah, I think that's one of those things where where I've, I've been maybe a bit more cautious as a female. Yeah. Have you ever felt taken advantage of during your travels? Hmm. Yeah, but um, but I think that could have happened if I was male as well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, there are scams all over the world. and uh, Like there are pickpockets in Copenhagen or... Um, and I think whether you're male or female, maybe you just, uh, maybe you look like an easier target and that's why we feel more exposed. But, um, 
I don't necessarily think that, well, okay, so actually when I think about it, um, I think we're more exposed to rape and rape stories in general. And uh, the reason why I was uh, a bit apprehensive about Latin America was because I had an acquaintance that, uh, that was raped when she was traveling through Chile. So, uh, I mean, that, that kind of made a mental dent in my mind, right? And I thought, okay, how, how would I react in, um, in that situation? And uh, how would I prepare to be in that situation? And what would I do afterwards? But like I said, I've, uh, it's kind of been put to shame, but, and maybe it happens to men as well, but we just don't talk about it. Maybe it's a bit more stigmatized for them to talk about as well um openly but uh yeah i think rape is one of those things where i think as a female you feel a little bit more exposed yeah a little bit more aware of your surroundings at all times yeah. <laughs> yeah. and again i mean it's uh it's another reason to follow the the local cultures of how to dress right like to blend in a little bit more mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that females shouldn't be able to wear what they want, um, but I'm just saying that in some local settings, it's better to follow the local culture, basically, and the local standard. Yeah. And we have some questions for you in relation to the future period. And can you just tell us a bit about your plans, if you are planning on traveling solo in the future as well? Or do you have some plans maybe already? Yeah, so um, right now I'm, I'm expecting, I have a little... Oh, oh. <laughs> well, congratulations. congratulations. <laughs> uh, I have a future traveler in the making. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, am, I am, we're planning on, on going to France for Christmas and things like this, but that'll be a family trip, right? And I also hope that during my maternity leave, depending on, on the kid we get, that, uh, that I'll be able to maybe go for a month or something like that, um, just me and the baby somewhere um, to relax and to, to think about how, like, how we can raise him in the, in the best way possible. Um, but yeah, oh, I mean, it's a different kind of adventure. Than <laughs> and who knows? I mean, who knows if he's going to want to travel? But I hope so, of course, that uh, that the future kid. But I mean, it won't be so low then anymore. Right? <laughs> it's going to be a different adventure. Yes. And but I mean, my um, my husband is very understanding of of where I come from. I mean, he fell in love with a solo female traveler. So I think in the future, um, if we if if we don't talk like the near future, I still expect to go on trips by myself, uh, even if it's just a week somewhere or, um, and it can seem kind of selfish to want to go on these trips, especially when you when you do have a family. But I also think it's very important for, um, me and my um my uh the way i see myself like my own identity 
is to have these trips and to reflect on my life and to reflect on a lot of things. Um, it's a different kind of reflection when you go by yourself to a different place like that and meet and meet new faces. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, so short term, maybe, maybe not so much, but long term, I still expect to go on solo trips for sure. Yeah, that's great that you're going to continue this. Yeah, I think it's it's a it's a lifestyle that's difficult to, um, to let go of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And total last question: <laughs> If you could share a story of your travel with us, a uh, sorry, sorry, I didn't hear a story. A story, any story that you just like to tell people. Mm. Well, there is, uh, I think, an ongoing story is. Um, meeting new people right and I have this one story of one person that uh, I think is very typical for travelers so and it shows how small the world is um, I I traveled to I was part it was part of my this five-year journey of being a digital nomad I had settled down in Bali for a little bit and uh met like uh, another digital nomad. I met like local friends and uh, I was, I mean, living the sweet traveler life of that balance between going on little adventures to um, other parts of the, of the country, both Indonesia, but also other parts of the region. So um, I was going on this trip to Vietnam and was just meant to be a short trip to Hanoi to get some really good food and seeing something else. And I met these Canadian people at my hostel who were like, hey, you should come with us to Halong Bay. And I thought, okay, Halong Bay, I've, I've been there, but it was pretty cool. So uh, <laughs> why not? I'll, I'll, I'll come with you guys to Halong Bay again. And on this, uh, on this boat, I met a, a Mexican guy who is this super funny, uh, goofy guy from Mexico, funnily enough. And he's like, don't go back to Bali. Come with me to Central Asia. I'm going to Kazakhstan on Monday. Join me. And I was like, oh. I've always wanted to go to Central Asia, but I, it was one of those places like, you can't even read the letters on the menu right because it's all in Cyrillic and um, it's it's difficult to yeah as a I didn't know to what to expect basically so it was like an opportunity that I've been waiting for but at the same time I was like ah, on Monday can I even get a visa by Monday <laughs> um, and uh, so I was like it's not gonna happen and I continued traveling through Vietnam but we were talking on Snapchat and he was like if you go to back to Hanoi today you could get the visa started and it ended up like we ended up traveling through Central Asia together it's like long story short and um, he had this Danish friend that was joining us on part of this trip so she's also this super cool traveler um, so, you know, you get to meet other people as well, but, uh, um, I mean, he's just become a friend for life. So 
I met my husband not long after that. We visited him in Mexico. He visited us when we lived in um, France. And uh, he's arriving in Copenhagen tomorrow, basically. So, uh, oh perfect. <laughs> also, and also an extra thing to this story is I was, uh, so today I work at Kilroy, a travel agency. And I was doing this presentation. We have uh, a colleague of mine was putting in pictures to support the story that I was going to tell. So I hadn't seen the done presentation. I just, uh, I knew what I was going to say, but I hadn't seen all the pictures yet. And um, <laughs> we have this, uh, this uh, library of, of travel photos from all of our employees. And I'm presenting <laughs> to the management. And all of a sudden, this Mexican guy is in my presentation and I'm like, I'm a little bit thrown off because uh, it's not my picture. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, and I'm like, and this is, uh, I'm sorry. And it, and I had to kind of track down. So thankfully um, this guy was part of the management group and he was like, no, that's my picture. Uh, how do you know this guy? So it turns out that this Mexican guy has always also met one of my colleagues on a completely, like on a trip to Russia. <laughs> I think this is when you can see how small the world really is. Just everybody meets everybody. And, and I love the beauty of that. I mean, that the world just is so small all of a sudden. Uh, I sometimes get messages like, look who I met. And it's, uh, the last one I got was from this Iranian guy that I met in uh, also Vietnam. And he had met a girl that I had traveled with to Portugal, and they were now in uh, Latin America. And it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, it really is. It really, really is. Uh, but I, I think that's so beautiful. It's and so ooh, actually, the um, the girl that uh, that this Mexican guy was living with, uh, he was he was living in. Um, in Bangkok at the time. So I, I went to visit him in Bangkok and that's where we would go to Astana from in Kazakhstan. <clears throat> and he had a roommate called Gabriela. She was super cool as well. Uh, she was uh, also Mexican girl, but working as a chef in a local restaurant. And um, this summer I was invited to uh, uh, Tomorrowland in Belgium, which is this big festival by one of our partners. And uh, we're having this gorgeous gourmet meal and they invite out one of the chefs. And sure enough, it's Gabriella. <laughs> so, so she comes running out and she's, and I'm like, Gabriella? And she looks at me like, Denise? And she runs out and gives me a, a big hug and I mean, how random is that? Like a, a Mexican girl I met in Thailand is now here in Belgium cooking <laughs> gorgeous meal, right? I mean, it's, uh, yeah. If you're open enough to make these strange friendships, um, the world just shrinks. We really want to thank you so much. You helped us a lot. And we had a lovely talk with you, yes. actually. <laughs> it was super interesting.
No worries. Thank you, guys.